And then I posted a video holding the Gucci box and I was like, hi losers, it's Victoria Silver. I just bought these $900 Gucci shoes for my lover and you little dick cucks are gonna fund it. It was like paid for within an hour. Wow, whoa. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanigato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that would like to be on our show, you can hit us up. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and today we're speaking with a woman named Victoria Silver. She is a financial dominatrix, or findom, as they say. Uh, This is a topic that we've been wanting to cover for a long time on the show, so we're excited. And we first came across Victoria because of how open and honest she is about her experience, uh, the money that she makes, and we're excited to dive into this chat and learn more uh, about Findom and Victoria's journey. So we've got Victoria on the line now, and first off, thanks for being on the show. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, super excited. So to kick it off, can you just define uh, financial dominatrix for us and how did you get into it? So financial domination and in turn a financial dominatrix is a form of fetish involving money. Um, Most often this looks like controlling your submissive's finances in cutting down what they're permitted to spend their money on. you know, reorganizing their finances so they can send more money to you. Other times it can look more like sacrifice where people are just sending you lump sums of money for the rush, for the thrill. And trust me, it is a thrill. Um, So yeah, that is what financial domination is. I've been into this personally since I was a junior in college. That was my first experience with financial domination where actually someone on Tinder approached me and, um, I was ignoring them, you know, cause Tinder is essentially a game of hot or not. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> eventually they were like, I'll pay you to talk to me. And I was like, Oh, I like this. Suddenly they became a lot hotter. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah. And for like, you know, a couple months he paid for my Chinese food. Um, and then, I was like, I wonder if there are like more people like this because like I like this and I want more money. Um, So a couple months after that in 2018, I made a FetLife focusing on Findom. And in 2019, I joined the financial domination Twitter community and I've been doing it ever since. So when he was like, okay, I'll pay you to talk to me. How much was he giving you? And like, was it a daily amount or a weekly amount? Um, so this was like my first interaction with it where he would just pay for my Chinese food. Anytime I would get Chinese food, I would send him a photo of the receipt and he would pay for it. Uh, Was that the first time that someone reached out to you with that sort of thing? Because I feel like it's pretty common that, you know, uh, women will receive messages from someone being like, I'll give you a thousand dollars and like, you know, just to talk to me or whatever, or some, or like an older man looking for a sugar baby. Like, was that typical or was that the first time that you had encountered that? And you're like, all right, let's see it. Oh, honey. When people get those emails, those are scams. Those are not real sugar daddies. Real sugar daddies. No, real sugar (laughs) daddies just don't sit on the internet and give girls money. Real Hmm. sugar daddies are on like, you know, dates with their sugar babies. It's a completely different thing. 
Um, okay. But yeah, most times on the internet where they're like, if you want to be my sugar baby, I will give you 2000 via PayPal. Like, you know, they're not actually sending that money. It's about free attention. Um, mm. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of girls do experience that, especially with, you know, people with financial domination fetishes. There's going to be a girl that they really have a thing for in high school, right? You know, and a lot of the times that can be the first manifestation of that, of them being like, I wonder how she's doing. Let me look her up. And then they send her money. Um, I was actually just talking to a submissive about that where he told me that he made a Snapchat account, added girls from high school that he had a crush on, asked if they had payment methods, and then proceeded to pay them and never let them know it was him. And I was like, wow, like, that's a really interesting way to financially dominate yourself, I guess. So what Hmm. is the rush for the person sending the money? Like in, in that case where that person's not even getting credit for sending the money. So what do you think that is that appeals to people so much to, I guess, the submissive in the relationship? Well, it's the act of pleasing. It's the act of sacrifice. You know, every man in one way or another wants to please their partner, whether that be emotionally, sexually, or in the case of financial domination, financially. And, you know, you do those things, you know, like, so if you and your own personal relationships would aim to please your partner, you'd as a submissive would want to please your dom. So a lot of that is being like, I will sacrifice as much as I can reasonably sacrifice for her pleasure. Um, you know, and I will do my best to provide for her mindset. And I think it's a really beautiful mindset to have. Okay. And also, you know, you were, you were talking about your first interaction, but now, uh, do you have multiple submissives? Oh yeah. Now I've been doing this for years at this point. Um, I have seven like collared submissives and then about like 50 to a hundred men that send to me occasionally. Wow. What's collared mean? Collared means like devoted as if we're in, you know, we're in a devoted relationship and a devoted emotional dom sub relationship. Um, you know, it's kind of like an owned, an ownership thing, an owned slave thing, um, for the BDSM terminology. And, you know, it means that this person is dedicated to you individually. They aim to meet your needs. They've been doing it for a long time and you've offered them a spot in your inner circle. Okay. And now are these strictly digital relationships or are you meeting these people in person? It depends on the individual. A lot of them I've met in person. A lot of them are digital because, you know, they might be based in the UK or, you know, like a random state like Arkansas. But a lot of them, especially, you know, the people that are based in New York, um, New York City, the tri-state area, I make time to hang out with them. Sometimes we go shopping. Sometimes they bring me cash. It's really cool. Wow. Interesting. And have you ever, has it ever been, has it ever turned physical? (laughs) It's not supposed to, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you that, but, um, <laughs> as somebody who, you know, domination is a large part of my sexuality. Um, I have a very bad habit of using, um, attractive clients as my personal dating pool. So okay. I'll leave it at that. It may have, it may not have. <laughs> 
But there's gotcha. no expectation from these men. This is kind of something that you bring on. It is not an industry standard thing. Um, most of these individuals will like never ever get to meet their dom even. Yeah. And like I would say maybe one percent of clients have the chance of becoming something more. And it's usually because they're like insanely attractive, rich, and have a huge dick. Fair, fair. All all good points. The trifecta. Right? Isn't that what we're all looking for? <laughs> uh, we're, we're trying to have. Uh, that's really funny. <laughs> wow. So you said seven collared and then 50 to 100 that are just kind of sending at random. So with the collared submissives, is this, is there kind of like a monthly retainer or is this whenever you ask, like how far can you push this for, for the amount of money that you make? Are you asking or are they just kind of giving and you accept when that comes? Both. Um, the expectation for most of my own submissives is approximately 500 a month. So 125 a week. Um, but also like, I also get a ton of random dreams like the past three days i've had two thousand dollar days each day um you said drain what does that mean um a drain is like a fetish game almost not not so much a game per se um a fetish experience when you're taking lump sum of like lump sums of cash in um, a very short time period. So you're draining their income, draining their resources. Oh, okay. Wow. And is, is there some sort of like degrading aspect to this? Like, do they ever request for you to like talk down to them or? For some, you know? some yeah. people like praise, some people like degradation. The experience is highly tailored and individualized to the submissive. Mm. Yeah, but I, I remember once before we had talked to uh, somebody who had dabbled in this and they had said that they even at one point had like passwords to someone's bank account so they could Ooh, like. Mm -mm, mm, that's not something that uh, a professional does. I'm sure if they dabbled in it, like, yes, but that's not something any professional financial dominatrix will recommend. For a lot of us, what we have in place is certain safety standards where, you know, we don't want to get arrested. We don't want to do anything illegal. Certain things like fetish blackmail are a huge fantasy and tons of doms won't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Most of us, unless it is an extremely trusted submissive, would never, ever take a banking password. That mm -hmm. is super dangerous and you could totally get like legal repercussions from that. Right. Also, speaking of legal repercussions, like when you're getting all this money, like what's the deal with like paying taxes on it or reporting it as income? Um, if you are not a, like filing an S corp or an LLC, you're filing usually 30% tax rate, the same rate as a freelancer. Um, so most financial dominatrixes have family, like, you know, have like a small um, family owned business accountant or they work with H&R Block because they're sex worker friendly um, oh, wow. or they even hire the tax dom who's a CPA and dominatrix that does taxes. Um, she's really cool. <laughs> but, you know, we anyone who's like doing this professionally is paying their taxes. Um, I file 
all of my taxes. I need to start, you know, quarterlies for next year, planning how much I'm going to allocate to that. And it's a lot of money in taxes. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Did you I mean, say, did you say that there's a CPA dedicated to this? Yeah. Wow. The, and like everyone in the community knows her and I'm assuming uses her. Yeah. The tax dom. Wow. That's great branding too. That is great. Branding. <laughs> Good I mean, for her. Get you in check financially. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very important. Like for sex workers out there, regardless of what they're doing, like, I mean, it's almost like being a creator in a sense. If you're like a young kid and like you have a YouTube channel that blows up or a pot, like all of a sudden there's this like income that you realize and we're not really taught like at a young age, like that quarterly taxes even exist or some people make boatloads of money up front and don't even think that taxes are coming at the end of the year. And it can like really financially set people back even if they do well. So it's cool that there's that system in place. Financial literacy is a huge part. Oh, I'm sorry. I just took a sip of water and it got caught. Um, financial literacy is a huge part of my job as a sex worker, um, both my own and my clients. Um, because like, if somebody doesn't have the means to afford me and yet they're sending and sending and sending, I don't want to be there when the account hits zero. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, that's something that I don't think people would expect. I feel like the misconception would be that you or someone in your position doing this professionally, um, almost doesn't care ab- about that submissive and they kind of only care about the money, but that's interesting. Do you kind of vet and make sure that these people are, you know, established enough or have the means to be able to splurge on you, but they're not going to ruin their life over it? That's actually a huge misconception about the industry. A lot of financial domination is financial management. If you want to have a long-term relationship with someone who's steadily sacrificing at a sustainable rate, you're not going to take all their money at once. You know, It's better to get that $100 a week for you know, 16 weeks than it is to get that you know, $400 drain once. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of us are in it for like the long run. We enjoy it as a submissive relationship as well as the money. And also how often do you talk to your submissives? Like I'm assuming that all day, every day. (laughs) Yeah. Is that like their currency is like the attention from you? Um, Um, for some others, the currency, you know, quote unquote, is being ignored. But the access to me is a privilege. You know, they want to interact with me. They want to, you know, feel as if there's a personal experience going on. And, you know, so we develop those personal experiences. Someone who Mm -hmm. served me for like a week is not going to have the same relationship with me as someone who's been with me, like say AJ or Ethan or Colbus for like two to four years. Wow. Okay. So relationships like that, that are going on two, four years, I mean, is there any end in sight or do you predict that you'll have certain clients for just years and years to come? The boys are all going to come to my wedding. Like they're in, they're in it for, yeah, they're going to pay for it. They literally, I mean, (laughs) I mean, Colbus put some money towards my engagement ring. Um, (laughs) but yeah, no, wait, wait, what do you mean? I mean, so Colbus is one of my cucks. He's my primary cuck, one of my favorite submissives. Um, shout out Colbus if you're listening. Honestly, yeah, shout out Colbus. He will be listening. Um, 
I think over the years that he's served me, he's probably given me around seventy to eighty thousand dollars. Um, <laughs> Whoa! And um, you know that's a modest estimate. It genuinely could be more. Um, but yeah. As a cuck, as a cuckold, his purpose is to serve myself and my partner for the benefit of our relationship. And um, part of that is through, like, sending and sacrificing for elements of us, you know, and our success. So it's really cool because I told Colbus that um, I picked the ring that I wanted. I told him how much it was. And I picked the vacation and where I wanted to go for my engagement and how much it was. And he gave me $3,000 total for it. Wow. So even, so you have a partner and everyone (laughs) knows about it. Yeah. And they're, okay, that I did not expect that at all. I thought that it, okay, that's interesting. (laughs) So he's, he would essentially, he's throwing money towards your engagement and the honeymoon. Yeah. He's like sponsoring your relationship and your marriage. That's exactly what a cuckold does. You know, they do also the physical element of cuckolding, of like watching you have sex. Like, yes, of course. Does he do that for you? Like with you? My mom might listen to this podcast, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Uh, Got it. (laughs) You can infer from that what you will. Gotcha. But, you know, of course, there's a physical element of cuckolding. But when it comes to financial cuckolding, It's like taking these men's money for dates, for trips with your lover, for gifts for your lover. I like just went to Nordstrom the other day and I bought my boyfriend a pair of Gucci shoes using like subfunded money. (laughs) Um, And then I posted a video holding the Gucci box and I was like, hi, losers. It's Victoria Silver. I just bought these $900 Gucci shoes for my lover and you little dick cucks are going to fund it. It was like paid for within an hour. Wow. Whoa. That's unbelievable. And you, that's wow. And cause, because you post that knowing what the outcome is, you probably just sit back and just wait for it to come in. That's it. Oh, exactly. Like I said, over the past three days, I've made $2,000 each day. I haven't like really done anything out of the ordinary to do that. I just, the men that interact with me already have the understanding that I deserve this money and I agree with them. Wow. Was okay. your, was your partner uh always okay with this yeah he wouldn't be my partner if he wasn't i would never oh my god why would i cut out like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of income over a man (laughs) for love not worth it Mm -mm. (laughs) he knew about it he's like super proud of me and um like he makes content with me sometimes i have a clip on my clip store called like Cox worship alpha male feet and like another clip called pay my boyfriend people do wow so they pay him directly sometimes yeah he has a cash app wow i i do want to say too before just as we were kind of talking about figures we didn't mention it before but uh what are you bringing in on average per month just so we can kind of contextualize this whole thing um, it really depends on the month. It's really between like ten and $20,000. But consider that a lot of that can come in the form of gifts. Um, sorry, my alarm just went off. I've got to take my birth control. Um, a lot of it can come in the form of gifts and like um, gift tributes. Some of it can come in the form of cash. Some of it will come as gift cards. Okay. And I read in an article that 
your highest month, I think, today was 34000 Although it's honestly looking like I might beat that so far um, with what's going on with September. Wow. Congrats. We're rooting for Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, in the terms of FinDom, like, there are creators that are making significantly more than me. Like, I'm definitely making a lot, and I am by no means complaining, but there are doms like Candy Glitter and Eva DeVille that are routinely making, like, $10,000 months. Wow. I'm sorry, not $10,000, wow. $100,000. Wow. That's a bit of money. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean... This is something that you do full time. Um, actually, no. I have a full time vanilla job as well, but I picked that up because I got bored doing this full time. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Are you able to talk about what that job is, or do you keep it separate? Yeah. No. I totally am cool talking about it. Um, I work at the Daily Dot. I'm fully out as a sex worker there, um, and I'm currently working on a project that I can't say too much about. But um, it focuses on, you know, sex and kink and dating and relationships and BDSM. And it's, it's really cool. And I'm very excited about it. Have you ever dabbled in any other like sort of fetishes or kinks that weren't necessarily around FinDom? Oh, yeah. FinDom is mainly just my <clears throat> online presence. I have like an entire like FemDom lifestyle that I live offline. Hmm. So, like with your partner, you're the more dominant one? Not like the more dominant one. It's more like my partner is the collared submissive who's cleaning my apartment while I take this call. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a great response. <laughs> um, wow. It's really cool because there's, it seems like there's no part of your life that um, you're hiding from anyone. There's no character that you're playing here. Like it seems like you, you get to just be you and kind of keep everything in order, which is nice. I mean, these people who are contributing to you, they know that you have a partner. They know that you're going to get married. Your job knows that you do this. That's got to feel pretty freeing. I feel like a lot of sex workers uh, are probably not in that position and it's, you know, very secretive part of their life. Absolutely. You know, it's really liberating, but I didn't reach this point in a very positive manner. Um, Unfortunately, like, you know, I started sex work as a survival sex worker. I'm a type one diabetic um, and I, I needed money for rent, for insulin. I was working through college and still not really making enough money to sustain myself. Um, so I started doing FinDom. I was like, I was told that I would be good about this. You know, I needed the money and I was a natural. My first day I made $300 and that usually doesn't happen. Wow. But um, in 2019, I was doxxed by a racist catfish. Not only was I harassed on my personal social media, the, like to the point where I had to delete it, my name, my phone number, my work, like my writing work in politics was all leaked. Somebody had emailed my workplace. Somebody had emailed my mother. So, um, I had a choice. It was either hide it and potentially lose my entire career in journalism and you know potentially be outed by like the New York Times if I kept writing you know or I could own it so I mm. owned it and I told my workplace before they even read the email I told them what was going on and why I turned to sex work and um you know I was freelancing at the independent at the time as a U.S. reporter and they were super super supportive 
And I wrote about it and I wrote about how I got docs and I officially came out. And, um, you know, to this point, like I've really created a nice little niche for myself being that I am a writer and an expert in sex work um, at this point. And it's really liberating and it's amazing. So I really try and commit to the destigmatization of the industry, to the destigmatization uh, de of sex work, um, because I'm in a really unique position. But so many sex workers who are outed, like teachers who are not making enough money to even mm -hmm. like, stock their classrooms, get outed for sex work and lose like their entire jobs. So, you know, I'm in a really unique position of privilege, despite getting there through um, really aggressive and racist means. Um, but I want to use it to help other sex workers. So, you know, I try and be candid and as out as possible and, um, you know, just try and like lend myself as much as I can to the movement. I don't want there to be anything about us without us. Yeah. And I think that like that plays into why I imagine people enjoy you. And when you said you were uh, a natural, you made $300 on your first day, it's probably because of the attitude that you have where you're like, I'm, this is me and this is who I'm going to be. And that's just, that's just what it is. Some people will get it. Some people won't, but that's just what it is. Exactly. Uh, I was, you know, I was doing femdom before I was ever getting paid for it long before I was ever getting paid for it. And, um, you know, it was just like the next lucrative step at a point where I needed money and I wanted to do something that I enjoyed and didn't have to allocate too much time to. Mm. And I have a question too, because, um, I feel like people would want to know, but correct me if I'm wrong, but before you said that uh, your, <clears throat> your submissives give you the money they think you deserve and that you think you deserve it also, why do you think that you deserve all the money that they've given to you? Why wouldn't I? I mean, some people would, would say, like, why, why would you, I guess would be the question. Is there a reason? I mean, I'm not saying that you don't. Me, personally, I'm just saying people would ask, like, why do you think that you deserve you know, $20,000 from these men. Because I'm Victoria fucking silver. Of course I deserve it. That was the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's just the truth in that, like, you know, if I wasn't taking it, somebody else would be. So why don't I deserve it? Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that really separates financial dominatrixes from a lot of the other population is that women are socialized to be meek. We're socialized to think that we aren't deserving of nice things, and we're socialized to be quiet, um, to keep to the sidelines. And I just don't fuck with that. I am loud. I am intelligent. I am dominant. I am hardworking. You put me in a room full of men, and I'll take charge of the conversation and make them all worship me. So it just, it was a natural progression of the natural order. There's always been alpha women in society, and men have always worked to impress us from, you know, gifts given to women in the 1950s of diamonds to, you know, the women that people were courting to temple prostitutes in ancient Greece who were teeth that demands entire income, beautiful, exotic fruits. The dominant woman taking from men has always existed. It's just that the manifestation has changed. Mm. Wow. It, it, is cool to hear just the ownership of the narrative and it kind of, I guess, breaks a mold in a way. And I was going to say, I think you answered it, but to Joe's question, maybe another form of that question is, uh, clearly you have the confidence and you know why you deserve it. So it's almost like what 
what would you say to that person who says, that's not fair, that's not real work, um, and that she doesn't deserve it? But I, I think you just answered that. I think um, if that's, it seems like it's just, it's just a mentality. It's like a, a more meek mentality versus just kind of owning it, knowing you deserve uh, whatever it is you want and then getting it. Exactly. Yeah. I do want to um, bring up a quote too. There's a really awesome BuzzFeed article on you um, that definitely recommend people check out. And there was a quote, you said, there is a certain element to sex work where if you're white and skinny and blonde, you're going to make money. And I am none of those things. Um, can you just expand on that a little bit? Um, kind of why you, why you dropped that quote and um, how you kind of feel you're breaking the mold in that way as well? Well, you know, Eurocentric beauty standards are, you know, what we see in media and that extends to sex work in that, you know, women who are conventionally attractive, which isn't to say that I'm not like, I know I'm very pretty, but, you know, by Eurocentric beauty standards that really push thinness and whiteness and, you know, youthfulness as something that's, you know, sexually idealized, um, they're just going to find easier success in the industry. Meanwhile, you know, black women have to work twice as hard for half the tribute sometimes, often it, like enduring racial fetishization, um, the fetishization of black bodies by white submissives who say that they want to worship black superiors, but it's like only for the purpose of their sexual gratification. Um, so, you know, there is a lot of diversity in sex work, but there's also a lot of internalized um, racism on the client side and sexualized racism, which, you know, women of color, unfortunately, have to deal with, but blonde women don't. Also, like, there's fat phobia, there's um, fat shaming, and, like, you know, I literally, I get comments all the time. I never care about them. But guys are like, a fatty, like, you should be nicer. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I played D2 rugby. Like, you get on a pitch with me and I could rock your shit. Like, I really don't care, <laughs> about, like, what you think of my body type, you know? I find myself sexy. My partner finds myself sexy. And no one else really matters to me. Um, but in terms of that, it's just that there are certain beauty standards that make it easier to make money in almost any industry, but especially in sex work. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for me to be making $20,000, to be, you know, one of the top financial dominatrixes, it really speaks a lot to my character and my dominance. Um, I'm beautiful. There's no doubting that. I mean, like you guys saw my Twitter, everybody knows I'm pretty. Um, but you know, it's, it's more than looks that bring my submissives to me. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like you have a pretty dominant personality. And also, uh, you know, as far as your collars go, how do you go about vetting them? Is that strictly off of like seniority, like how long they've been there? Or do you have to have some sort of like actual sort of relationship with them? Um, there has to be a relationship and there is seniority does come into it. Like the longer you're with me, the more likely we have a relationship and the more likely we have a relationship, the more likely you're going to be offered a collar. Mm -hmm. Is there, is this something that you want to continue doing just forever if possible? Or do you have a plan of a certain amount of money to make or money to save or just no plans on stopping? 
Well, the goal for me is to fully fund law school next. Um, you could probably have that done by this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, that would be a sexy afternoon. Um, no, I'd really like to fully fund law school. And then what I'd like to do potentially is go into creating a firm, um, like an entirely in-house firm for sex workers, focusing on PR, marketing, branding, financial management, and legal management. So um, that would be like my goal because I'd really like to focus on sex worker advocacy in the long run. I don't know if I'll ever retire from the industry per se, even when I'm, you know, working on that business, uh, because I know I'll have submissives in my life forever. And if somebody wants to serve me, if somebody wants to add to my life and, you know, curate this beautiful relationship with me that focus on us both growing together um why would I ever refuse that you know yeah I would imagine it would be hard to refuse but it it is cool like I think a thread throughout this conversation you know you talked about financial literacy in the beginning and it, it seems like you do really have a desire to help other people um who you know, are in this line of work or similar line of work or, um, who aren't, you know, the traditional beauty standard, like you said, and just help, uh, you know, just in in all aspects. And it seems like, you know, you continue to gather knowledge and experience and would have a lot to share. So it's a really cool, you know, super lofty, ambitious goal. But I think after talking to you for however long it's been, it's, it suits you well. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us and, uh, you know, giving us a look into the world of FinDom and your personal experience with it as well. No, I really appreciate you having me and just, like, taking the time to, you know, gain an understanding of what it is because it's often misrepresented and, you know, in turn, to share that with your audience. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, no, no problem. Our pleasure. We appreciate it again, and uh, we wish you best of luck in all your endeavors. Thank you so much. All right. Have Have a a good good one. one. Bye. Bye. Before we get to our final thoughts, we do have sponsors for today. The first one being BetterHelp, which is online counseling. Uh, If you are interested in getting into therapy or doing therapy, you can do so using BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is great because it is way more affordable than in-person therapy, and they have licensed professionals in all 50 states. Um, So all you have to do is go to their website, BetterHelp.com. And uh, like I said, super affordable. It's also very... uh, easy and customizable for you if you want to, you know, do it via uh, video chat or just a phone call or something like that. If you feel like in person or looking at someone through FaceTime or something is too intimidating, you don't have to do that. Um, so yeah, they kind of cater to you in that way. Uh, you know, I've heard a couple of people that have used BetterHelp and say that's a great company and that, you know, it works for them. I know people personally who also use it. Uh, and on top of it being affordable and great in, in other ways, uh, you can also save an extra 10% off of your first month if you use our code. Uh, go to betterhelp.com slash OPL. That is betterhelp.com slash OPL. You will save 10% off of your first month. Um, and next here, we have Bond Charge. Uh, Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Uh, my favorite is their blue light glasses because I spend a lot of time, you know, in front of screens and lights and, uh, you know, there's a lot of 
you know, TV at night, like, you know, and staring at our phones. So, uh, there's a lot of bad things that can happen to your eyes because of those things. If you're not wearing blue light glasses, which I always tend to have a pair on me and these are my favorite ones. Um, but yeah, so it can, it can be straining if you just stare at those things, like just with your eyes, like all day, uh, you can, you know, it eventually results in poor sleep, which I've had before. Um, but the, the glasses really do help. And, uh, they also have, you know, other, products as well, uh, like, uh, low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, and much more. They also ship worldwide and it's easy, uh, to return and exchange, uh, if need be. Um, and right now you can save some money, go to bondcharge.com slash OPL and use the coupon code OPL to save 20%. That's B O N C H A R G E.com slash OPL and use the coupon code OPL to save 20%. So go save your eyes and uh, go check out their other products as well. All right, that was Victoria Silver. Uh, we want to mention her uh, Twitter account too because she posts a ton of pictures. She actually posts receipts of the money that she's getting um, in her account. There's one tweet from a few days ago. She made $5,000. Someone sent her Ethereum on Coinbase. Like, so she's showing all this. Um, she's, she's wow. really living this life. She's got the receipts to back up everything she said. Um, but also just really interesting feed with kind of like the advice and things that she gives. And, um, that's Victoria silver and her handle is at send to V S E N D T O V I. Ah, I get it. Send, send to Victoria, send the money to Victoria. There you um, go. So, so check her out there. But, um, wow. What a, what yeah, a- that's a lot of money, dude. And, and, uh, she's definitely dominant and, uh, <laughs> she's, she's, dominant. she's definitely, uh, you know, making a lot of money doing that. Yeah, no, she's, um, she's, she's up there on the list. We speak with a lot of confident, self-assured individuals on this show and um, she's she's up there. She's fighting for the number one spot. I'm very I was very surprised by the fact that these men know that she's in a relationship, getting engaged and married. It sounds like you know within the next two years or something. I don't know. Yeah, that was just a, a guess. Uh, and they're still down to do that. Like I, I mean, any interaction that I thought like that would go would be like for pictures or, or for, for conversation or like, even if they are in a relationship to pretend like they're not and to you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I didn't think that it would be fully like, yeah, I'm paying you. I'll, I'll pay your boyfriend directly too. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, like yeah. I, that, that was kind of shocking to me. Yeah. That, that would happen. To maintain like your own identity throughout all that is, um, it's super interesting. I feel like it would be different for different people. Like maybe some people, would want more mystery or would use a fake name or hide behind that, try not to let their job find out. But like she said, it, it has to be liberating to like just have nothing. There's nothing she can get called out on. There's no yeah. blackmail. There's nothing. She's just, she's so open about everything um, that, that, that for sure is liberating. She just gets to wake up and essentially be herself all day. And there's no like lies or anything that she has to, you know, keep a catalog of. So that, that did catch me by surprise too. I also feel like honored that we spoke to her for free. <laughs> right. Unless we get hit with an invoice after this, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> that we didn't note know the, about. Note the time, <laughs> note the time, but it's I'm like sh- to bills by the hour. It's just, um, just the way she's kind of established 
this like little niche for herself and how she's kind of putting herself out there, branding herself and this like inner circle of collared submissives. It's like, no, 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 not like, it's not so simple. Like you can't just pay your way into this. Like you really have to prove yourself and continue paying. Not only that, but like the thing that I was thinking about and like, that's why I asked the question because she's like, and I think I deserve it. And it's just like, I, of course, of course, but I needed to ask because I know people are probably sitting there bitter and they're just like, why is she making all this money and I'm fucking going to work every day and you know, blah, 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 like whatever the fuck they would say. Um, but at the end of the day, what she said also was like, was like true. Like they, these guys want to give this money away. They want to do that. This is like what gets them off. So if someone's going to take it, you know, you might as well. You might as well take it. If you find a, a fucking twenty dollar bill on the floor, you're gonna pick it up. You're not gonna leave it. You're yeah. gonna be like, well, I, that, I know that's not mine, but I'm taking it because someone's got to take it. Mm. It's kind of the same thing. Um, and also the fact that she has that many people paying her money. I mean, she's fucking all star. She's she clearly good at it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I think like that's just going to be the argument with any sex work um, until the end of time, even uh, as it does become, you know, more, more common. I mean, you look at things like OnlyFans and now it's yeah. just such like low lift for some people to start their own account and get paid for sex work. Essentially, like that debate will always be raging, I think, of is this real work? Is this fair? that doesn't count as a job. Like, I, I don't think that's ever going to go away, but you know, for her and for a lot of sex workers, like it is, and she's clearly putting in the work. She also has a job on top of that in journalism and is about to go to law school. So it's not like she's doing this for a shortcut. It seems out of yeah. work. If anything, it's added on top of all the other work she's doing. So it's, you know, really something that, um, you know, I guess adds stability to her life. And like, she seems like she really enjoys it and is good at it. Yeah. I, for me, that whole argument is so stupid. Like, is it actual work? And it's like, all right, what is your argument, you know, because of this? It's like, oh, you, it's your body. Or, like, I, I get, not that I get it. I, like, I don't agree, but I get people just being like, it's just not classy. Like, okay, well, how am I going to argue against that? Like, that's a subjective thing. But, like, uh, what's the difference between a model and, like, doing OnlyFans? Like, they're both general. Like, when you when it boils down to, like, you're profiting off of your look, essentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, and people or, are looking at models, and they're not looking at them being like, "Oh, you know, bone structure." Like, it's guys looking at models being like, "Oh my god, she's so fucking hot." Like, yeah. it's it's the same thing, you know? Like, it's, it's it's eliciting the same reaction. It's just that one of them is a little more. I know, yeah, in the I, eyes of society. Well, exactly. That I see it even more widespread than that. Like, I don't know, someone who like draws comics for a living or makes YouTube or podcasts or like any it, it's weird how like sex work feels like it's blending with the creator economy a little now too as people kind of like with only fans it absolutely brand is. themselves more and it is that and it's just yeah i think it's just as simple as if this doesn't fall under a label of you know traditional conventional um people are are always going to question it and it's so far out of the realm that i think it's hard for people to imagine the like work aspect of it and what is involved from anything from what she's doing to a podcast to talking in front of a camera to whatever it is. And yeah. that that's why, like, yeah, I think people are just never going to understand if it's something that's so far out of, like, their realm of reality or their comfort zone, so. Yeah. And also, yo, 
If you think you can make that money, go make that money then. There's clearly a market for it. Right. Like, Nothing's that easy. Like making that amount shit. of money is like never going to be easy. I'm not going to lie. In the middle of this episode, I was like, I wonder if there's any like cougars out there that. I know. <laughs> I know. But you know. Who's, who's that? What was the name of the guy her the cuck that's going to be listening? Uh, Col- Col- Colby? Colbus? Col- Colbus or Col- Yeah. Col- Colby or Colston. Col- I don't know. Yeah. If you want to be submissive Shout to out. this to this podcast, head over to Patreon. Patreon. Patreon.com slash OPL show. Yeah. And let's um, see yeah, what you're we, made of. We appreciate her coming on. And uh, for anyone listening, if you would like to be on the show, you think you have something that fits for the show, hit us up. Our email is OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and follow us on TikTok, on Instagram, at OPL Podcast. And um, also, if you're listening to this show on audio, we are on YouTube also. I feel like some of you don't know that. And we are, for example, in this episode, we're going to be showing her picture, some of her tweets, get some you know media in there too. So if you want to look at us, plus you get to see our faces. Uh, and you know, same goes for if you guys are just watching this on YouTube. We have a ton of other audio episodes from prior seasons before we even started the YouTube that you can go binge and you can just find that on any podcast platform. Just want to, to let you guys know that. Yep. And uh, I think that is all. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>